Hey everybody, welcome to the latest edition of This Week in Marvel. I'm Ben Morse, the Editorial Director of Digital Media here at Marvel, and uh, we got a good one lined up today. I've got Jason Reynolds on the line, the, art- the author of the Miles Morales prose novel. Jason, how are you doing today? I'm good, Ben. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Uh, the the novel is doing incredibly well. Um, obviously, getting you on the show is a big deal. We want to talk all about it. But first, before we go there, I want to talk about you a little bit. For people who aren't familiar with your background, talk to me about how you got into writing, uh, how you got into novels, and just your basic story. So, my, my story is a little different than most people when it comes to uh, getting into writing. I grew up I'm from Washington, D.C., and I I grew up sort of a kid who, what now people refer to as reluctant readers, you know, I I was a kid who who did not, I didn't didn't like reading, but not because I didn't actually actually like reading, but because I didn't feel like there were any books that spoke to me and my experiences. And, And so because of that, especially during the 1980s, there were very few books for young people about what was actually going on in our lives, specifically people who were coming from black and brown communities. Uh, so we had to, so we were forced to read books from the 60s and 70s and from the 50s that were sort of like outlining what black life was like, uh, except for it was the 1980s, and black life was vastly different. Right. Uh, because we're talking, because we're talking about like, I mean, think about the time period, right? So we're talking about. Uh, the crack epidemic, which tore our neighborhoods apart. We're talking about the beginning of HIV, right? We're talking about the beginning of hip-hop music. And these are things that were uh, embedded into my, my, my reality and never shown in books. So I didn't read anything and my, um, until I was like 17 and a half, 18 years old, uh, all the way through school, everything. Uh, and, and so my, my sort of entree into literature came uh, when I was around nine or ten years old. I would uh, I would read rap lyrics. I would read Queen Latifah lyrics and Tupac lyrics, and and that was sort of the beginning of the spark when I realized that they were writing poems, and that poetry was sort of this way that you could like say everything you needed to say, uh, but with less words, and that was appealing uh, to me, and and that was sort of it. And that's why I wrote poems for. I wrote poetry for years, all the way through school, through middle school, through high school, uh, and even up through college. And it was after college that uh, I lucked up and got, me and my buddy Jason, another guy named Jason, my college roommate, lucked up and got a book deal with HarperCollins, who published my poetry and his artwork. And that was sort of my, the beginning of my career. I was 21, 21 years old. Um, and then from there, I sort of started to develop this, this, uh, a skill set for like prose writing and things like that, but that came much later. So that was it. It was a different. It was weird. I didn't grow up a bookworm. I didn't grow up, uh, you know, uh, a stereotypical nerd, quote unquote nerd. I didn't grow up um, super scholarly or any of those things. I was like an athlete and uh, you know a knucklehead <laughs> who, who 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 because of rap music figured out or found found my way into storytelling. Um, first through poetry and then later on through prose. That's wild, man. Did you ever think of pursuing any career in rap since that was kind of what got you in? You know, I feel like everybody in my generation thought about pursuing a career in rap. You know, like, I, I feel like I, that was definitely something that you kind of had to think about, but I wasn't, I knew early on that that wasn't necessarily going to be my my strong suit. Um, I, I, I loved... Because, I, because it wasn't the music as much as it was the language, right, as much sure. as it was the words, right? And so for me, like having discovered sort of Latifah and Tupac and Nas and Slick Rick, my mother, because we, we had books in the house, I just wouldn't read them. <laughs> but, I early, but early on, my mom sort of introduced me to 
uh, Nikki Giovanni, right? So when I say I didn't read until I was 18, I mean I didn't read a novel, I didn't read prose, but, right. but I read poetry um, because my mom had all these old, like, Nikki Giovanni books in the house and Langston Hughes books in the house, and, and that interests me because you could... You could you could read a whole not a whole collection of poetry in twenty five thirty minutes, and you could feel completion. You can you can you can know what completion felt like, and you weren't sort of daunted or, or bogged down by the fact that there was no white space on the page. Um, and so that kept me sort of you know focused. And as rap music, it was like I love to like rap and like freestyle with my friends on the block or do things like that. But I never thought that 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 I, I could never see myself on stage like with a DJ, you know, rapping to a crowd. That was never something that I thought was going to happen for me. Fair enough, fair enough. Talk to me a little bit about the transition from writing poetry to writing prose, because those exercise two very different muscles. I'm not sure people who haven't done it really can fully appreciate it. It's not just all writing. It's two very different disciplines. Two, two vastly different disciplines, but I will say this, um, and, I, and I'll explain it to you in a second, but I, but I will say this, the greatest thing that I ever could have done in terms of a prose writer was learn poetry first. Mm. And, I, and I honestly, I, I'm a, I teach grad school, uh, master's program, fine art, and I always tell people, like all my students who want to write novels, I'm like, look, poetry is your friend. If you learn to write poetry, it'll strengthen your, your work as a prose writer. Right it doesn't always work. It doesn't always work the opposite way. But it would surely work if you start with poetry. The difference is, and the way that I sort of that it, that it happened for me is that when I got my first deal with Harper, the editor who was working, who who I worked with, she uh, she said to me from the very beginning, she said, "You're going to write novels," and I said, "I doubt it." And she said, "No, you're going to do it. I, I just can see it in you." And so she spent three years uh, working with me to help me understand how to write story arc. I didn't even know how to write. Yeah, I had no idea even how to do any of that. I didn't know uh, what a story arc was. I didn't know about exposition and rising action and all these different things that you're supposed to learn in school that I clearly slept through. Right. Um, I wasn't paying <laughs> attention during. Exactly. <laughs> and so, she, and so she, she pretty much like held my hand and showed me what this would look like and how I could do this. And she said to me, Jason, it's not going to be your education that gets you through, right? Because you don't have enough of it, right? What it's going to be is your intuition. You have the ability, like you understand gut, you understand what feels good, uh, what sounds good, you have taste, and that's going to be the thing that propels you, right? And, 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 and all of that comes from, one, my upbringing, but also when you, when you deal with poetry, you have to be very meticulous about the words you choose. Every single word has a purpose, every single word has a place. You learn how to begin and end. You learn how to move uh, and how to pack something tight enough to tell an entire story in 15 lines. These are things you learn in poetry. So when it came down to writing prose, the way I looked at it was, well, look, I, I, I understand language. I understand uh, emotional language. I understand uh, how to create conflict and tension because that's all poetry does. Right. Right. And so if I could just figure out how to take my poem and... Uh, fill in all of the details that poets aren't supposed to write, right? Because we're supposed to basically create space for the reader to do some of the work for us. Sure. Right? So if I can figure out how to do that work myself, um, perhaps I could get it done. But, but, but I, couldn't, I couldn't get past the point, I couldn't get past the fact that I didn't believe that I was good enough as a prose writer because I didn't believe that my voice was strong enough because I wasn't Toni Morrison or I wasn't James Baldwin or I wasn't Richard Wright, wow. uh, the people that I, that I was reading in school. Yeah. And so it wasn't, until, it wasn't until my buddy told me to write it in my own voice 
to just put my voice on the page, the voice of my neighborhood and my community and my family, that everything sort of changed. So I used my poetry, but I also understood that like that gut thing, that intuition had everything to do with voice, my, my specific voice uh, written on the page and, and, and everything shifted. That's so cool, man. That's really cool. Um, let's talk about the gig a little bit, the Miles Morales gig. How did you end up being approached to write this Miles Morales novel, and what made you say yes? Man, you know what? I, I, it's funny because I've been asked this question, and I wish I had a really sweet story. But, <laughs> I, <laughs> but the truth is, man, is that I got a phone call. My, my agent my agent emails me, and she's like, so I got an opportunity. And I have to admit, I, at first I was like, you know, as a writer, especially writing for, for children, uh, you know, I focus mostly on kid lit. You get opportunities where people, publishing companies will call and say, look, we want Jason to do this project. We have an idea for intellectual property work, right? Yeah. And almost, and almost, I mean, maybe 85% of the time, uh, it's not worth my time. Not because... Uh, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful or an arrogant way. I mean the amount of work it would take and the payoff for that sure. work, uh, for the for the you know when I look at my career, it just it it, it it just never worth it. And so when she called me and said, "Yo, I got I had I got an opportunity for you," I'm immediately like, "Oh boy, here we go again." <laughs> uh, you know, I'm I'm ready to you know I have my no lock and load locked and loaded. And uh, she said, "It's um it's Spider Man for." for Marvel and Disney and I'm like wait a minute <laughs> and then she's and so I'm so now I'm like okay I'm intrigued like it's here a little more and she's like it's Miles Morales he is you know black and Latino and I'm like mm, now I'm really listening right because uh -huh. because the, because the truth is is that I I am I mean for those who don't know though I'm sure everyone does at this point I am a black man and I love I love writing about and exploring the identity of the identities of black teenagers, right? I, because I think, and the reason why, to be completely honest, the reason why is because I don't know if they've been explored um, in in a complicated enough way. I think they, uh, I think oftentimes, and, I, and this is coming back to my own childhood, right? I think everybody thought or knew or felt like they knew who we were, who I was simply based on where I come from, who my friends were, who my family is, you know, what I look like. And no one ever tried to, like, unpack it and really kind of get into some of the nuances of, of a specific community. And I always sort of had a chip on my shoulder because of that. And so I write those kinds of books. And so when, I, when, when, it, when it came to me, it was like, yo, I, I have, there are two things on the table right now. One, there's an opportunity for me to be a part of one of the greatest, most important institutions on earth. Right, which is which is Marvel, uh, let alone the, the the legacy of Spider-Man. And two, I have an opportunity to to once more unpack what it means to be Miles Morales, right? Because we know what it means to be Spider-Man, mm -hmm. but we but but I wanted to sort of figure out how can I unpack further what it what it means to be Miles Morales in relationship uh, to being Spider-Man, and, and that I mean. I couldn't, it's like, who can say no, right? <laughs> so what did you know about Miles going in? When you were approached to do the job, was that the first you'd heard of Miles Morales, or were you familiar with the character at all? It, it wasn't the first I heard, but I, admittedly, I wasn't, I, I didn't know a, a, a whole lot. I knew, because um, I, I remember the whole Donald Glover, you know, yep. blow up, right, yep. when all that happened, right? So I remember that. 
And I remember uh, sort of the talks of like, yo, this thing really happened, right? Like this Miles Morales thing is happening. Um, and I'd seen a picture to like, uh, like a still shot on the internet. I think somebody was like, yo, this is like a thing, right? Miles Morales is a thing. But I hadn't read any of the comics, right? I'm not, I, I didn't grow up a comic, a comic kid. My older brother was a huge comic guy. My little brother is, um, is all into it. But I... I uh, didn't necessarily grow up in it, and I mean, you know, I mean, look, Spider Man, Spider Man was, is ubiquitous, right? So, like, even though, uh, and so, so I always tell people, even though we look at sort of comic comic culture now as like this new, not new, but this sort of like major pop culture, like now comic culture is popular culture. But right. the truth of the matter, is, the truth of the matter is, if we were being honest about it, comic culture, even back in the nineteen eighties and nineties was pop culture. It just was a different kind of pop culture because right. not, there wasn't one person on earth who didn't know who Spider-Man was, who didn't know <laughs> Spider-Man or Wolverine, right? Like, we may not have read the comics, but we had the toys, we watched the TV shows, we were, like, it was, it, it, so I felt like I, I, I knew, I knew him sort of like, I was, I was, I always tell people I was comic book adjacent, right? And mm. so when it came down to Miles, I, 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 he was in my mind, but I didn't know the details of his story. I knew he was I knew he was black and Puerto Rican, but I didn't know the details of his story. Um, but you guys helped me figure that out, and uh, we took it from there. <laughs> you talked a little bit about kind of the types of stories you tell, particularly exploring, like, the identity of the young black man and young black woman. But what kind of story did you want to tell with Miles once you got a sense of who the character was? What kind of different stuff did you want to explore that maybe you hadn't gotten to in your previous novels? I, you know, I, a few things. You know, one thing I wanted to I wanted to try to address. You know, how how communities um, like I, I always like to talk about the ecology, right? The ecosystems of, sure. of communities, right? Because I think communities all function within their own sort of vacuum, and they spin on their own axes. Um, there are rules, and there are codes, and there are uh, you know protocols that every single community has. Um, and I'm always interested in exploring that. And not only within the community, but also within the household. There are also codes and rules and protocols that exist within every single person's individual household that I was also really interested in. But besides that, I wanted to also sort of figure out a way to unpack how, like, we always tell stories about um, the outcome of things, and we never discuss how things lead up to those outcomes. Right. So, like, if I'm, so, if, so if I'm going to tell a story about a young man who comes from a family whose whose father and uncle have been uh, are, are and were criminals, I responsibly need to figure out how to address the conversation about how they were criminalized. Like, what exactly leads people into like? No one is born bad. No one is born a criminal. Criminals in and of themselves do bad things, but aren't always even bad people. Um, and, and so all of those things are the things that are, were on the forefront of my mind in relationship to what that means for him. Because I, I also think that we don't, I don't ever get to talk about in my stories, what does it mean if you are considered the special one? What does it mean if you are the one in your community who's different and who everyone sees as, diff as different what kind of guilt do you feel? This is a, this is the thing that I feel in my own life, right? Like me personally, I, I know what it feels like to, to be around your family and know that you are in a different situation than your family is in, or the people in your community, right? And and, and, it, and, it, and it gives me, um, it, 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 I understand the responsibility that that is, but it also is hard because you have a sense of survivor's guilt, right? Like like why me? Why did I get lucky? 
and so many people in my community uh, have not. And so I wanted to address that with Miles, right? Because being a superhero isn't just about like, with great power comes great responsibility. It's also understanding that nobody else around you has the power. Yeah. Right? Nobody else around you has the power. So yeah, what does sure. that mean? What, what does that mean, right? The other thing I wanted to, dis- to discuss is that if you come from a family of criminals, quote-unquote criminals, or if you come from a neighborhood, uh, I mean, you know, Miles knows, his, you know, he knows that, uh, that the lady down the block from him, her son, was an addict. He knows uh, the guy across the street from him suffers from PTSD. He knows the things that are happening in his community. And so I also wanted to address the fact that, like, sometimes when you come from these kinds of neighborhoods, you inherit, unfortunately, um, there's a pathology that some, that sometimes sets in that is an inferiority complex where, you, where not only do you feel guilty for being different, but you also don't feel worthy of it. You don't feel like you deserve better than what you have. And this is a part of the black and black and brown and poor communities in general that people don't understand is that so many of us, it's not that we don't want more, it's that there are parts of us due to all sorts of social, uh, social sort of macro level issues that unfortunately over generations of this have convinced us, sometimes have convinced some of us that we don't deserve any more than what we have. Right, and I wanted to make sure that I addressed that in the novel as well. Yeah. Uh, and on top of all of that, keep him a, a, a teenage boy. Yeah. <laughs> on top of all those, you know, and, and that, that was it, you know. Yeah, it's heavy stuff. It's crazy. Uh, it's it's cool that you address. I, I really like the idea of kind of the the hero versus the criminal. Like, what are you destined to become? What do you try to become? That's just really interesting. Absolutely. So, as you got to know Miles, as you wrote him, as you inhabited his head a little bit, what did you? What was your takeaway of this character? What makes him special? What did you like about him? What did you find challenging? What was your your read on Miles Morales? What I, you know, uh, Miles Morales, uh, for me, what I what I really there are a few things that really stuck out for me. I you know I live by this. I have a particular sort of code in my own life. You know, I live by you know. Uh, it's sort of the old school birds of a feather, you know, idea. You know, you can tell a lot about a person by the people they surround themselves with, right? Like, who, who are your friends and who are your family? If I get to know the people around you, I can, I can sort of piecemeal uh, your personality together oftentimes, right? And, or figure out at least where, um, where your priorities lie, right? right? And so so what stuck out to me from the very beginning, even like when I, when I digested all the comics and I sort of dug around a bit, what I loved... Uh, what I was most fascinated by was his family. So I love, love, love his mom. And in the comics, I love his grandma. You know, his, his grandma's in the comics. I love sort of his grandma figure. And I really, 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 really love Genki. <laughs> because, right, I really, because what happens is Genki is sort of this grounding figure for Miles. And, and you can learn a lot about Miles based on his relationship with his best friend. And, 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 I, and I mean, I, we could use any other example, and you can, you can see this over and over and over again in, in any kind of medium or in people you know in your real life, right? Like, yeah. you can learn, you know, or even like the people you choose as a spouse, right? You, you, you can learn so much about people. And so, so the first thing that, that stuck out to me were all the other characters in the story, mm-hmm. right? Like, I was like, man, he's surrounded by some really interesting uh, some really interesting people, and they sort of give him uh, a bit of framework. And I wanted to make sure that I kept that. I wanted to make sure that the people in his life, like, you know everything you need to know about Miles and my story if you pay attention to his father, his mother, and Genki. Okay. Everything, uh, and Alicia, and Alicia in my tale. Huh. 
they they will literally inform you of every single personality, uh, every single facet of his personality, because they all had them, right? Whether it be his father's sort of stern sense of discipline and responsibility and sort of integrity, his mother, uh, his mother's sort of compassion and, and her loving uh, sort of, you know, just the super, super loving mom, like a real mom, like a mom's mom, mm-hmm. and Genki sort of for this levity, but he has a sensitivity that, that he's not just, a, he's not a clown, right? He, right. He's a kid. He's a teenager, and he loves and he loves Miles, and he con- and he's concerned about Miles, uh, and he's but he's but he's trying to make he's so concerned about Miles that he almost doesn't even want to address the things that are happening in his own life. It's like I I, I know you have a lot on your plate, and I do too, but I also got to make sure that you're straight because I understand the responsibility that you hold and what you're going through as Spider Man. So all of these things make up who Miles is. The the other thing that I really liked about Miles from the jump is that he was regular. Yeah, he was a he's a normal normal kid, and I think what happens, especially when we sort of uh, decide to highlight uh, black and brown kids, is that the first thing we do is other them, <laughs> right? Yeah. The first thing we do is like, all right, we're gonna have this black kid. First thing we gotta do is make sure that we get, we show him dodging the drug dealers in his neighborhood, and maybe he's even like smoked a little weed. Maybe he it's like, yo, the reality is is most kids in these kinds of communities do what every other kid in every other community does, which is go to school and come home and be mad at their parents and try to eat dinner and try to eat. No, like just no, just the normal. He's. I said in another interview that the beauty of Miles is that he, when you really look at Miles, he he's actually pretty mundane. There's nothing. There's nothing about him. Uh, but like seriously, like he's 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 actually a pretty mundane character, and that is magic. Like that is the beauty of him, the mundanity of his life. Um, and that he's not othered, that he's, that he's not othered, at least not as a character, right? He may be in situations where he's othered, but he, he himself at the core, um, as the character that is created, is not sort of like an alien, like a black kid who, who unfortunately is an alien because, because he's a black kid. That's not the case in the story, and I think that's a, an amazing thing. Right. One of the big things about comics that make them stand out from other art forms is you've got the marriage of pictures and words. When you flip it over to the prose side, you've got words, and now you've got to represent the pictures that are told in the comics. Particularly when it comes to the action scenes, how do you maneuver around that? How do you use your words to paint a picture that people who are used to seeing the character in these crazy fight scenes are going to see? Man, it was tricky. It was tricky for me because it's also, I mean, it's twofold, right? Like, for me, it's like, when I got to write, I got to write fight scenes, mm-hmm. uh, and I have to make sure that they're um, vivid enough that people can, like, envision what's happening, right? Because there are no pictures. But the other thing is that I got to write fight scenes yeah. with, with Spider-Man, yeah. and I write, and I normally write contemporary sort of realistic fiction, and now I have to write. You know, this is there's magic involved. There's something that's fantastic involved when you're writing about Spider-Man fighting a 400-year-old villain, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. In and, of, in and of itself, it's counterintuitive to me, and so, <laughs> so, and so it was tricky. But this is why, um, this is where the poetry sort of works. This is where you, where I got to lean on the thing I knew how to do, right? So for me, if you want to, whenever I wanted to bring some of those things to life, um, you know, I worked with repetition I work with staccato language right instead of writing in these full sentences you just sort of chop it up the same way that comics are right comics if you one of my favorite poets uh, Amiri Baraka he's long gone now but 
who basically was the leader of the black arts movement in the 1970s. And a lot of his work sort of featured all of this weird language, like, this, you know, onomatopoeia and very sort of uh, sound sound as language, right? And so one day I asked him, I said, what, what was your influence? And he said, comic books. He said, comic books. He said, because comic books, they could write out pow, bang, boom, splash, right? And, and that language, that language when used in uh, in verse or in prose, it still works. But most of us, most of us have been educated out of using it because it's seen as like rudimentary or it's seen as, you know, whatever people, the hierarchy of, 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 of academics and scholarship see it as. The truth is, is that it's still language and it's ways for you to bring life to words and to scenes by actually writing in the sounds, right? Like words as sound, sound as language, right? Like, and so you'll see a lot of like boom, 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 or, or like just staccato, uh, instead sort of full sentences, fragmented sentences to show, um, you know, to, to sort of speed up the pace of a scene and to add tension to a scene. It's all about understanding how language on a page is not just language on a page, but it's also sort of psychological stimuli for the person who's reading it. And so if you're writing a, a, a three-line sentence, a three-line sentence, it better be about something whimsical because there's no way a three-line sentence can't be whimsy. <laughs> but, it, but if you're writing something that is a little, a little uh, more intense and a little uh, more active, then there's no reason for you to make sentences that are longer than three or four words. Hmm. Boom, 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 da 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 It's rhythm, right? It's, it's like yeah. anything else that you, right? And, and that is sort of the way, uh, that was sort of the, my, my sort of understanding of how to, how to figure out how to write those scenes. Right on. Well, now that you had the experience writing Miles Morales and his, his world, would you ever want to try your hand at comics? Is that something you're interested in? I am. I am. You know, I've never, I've never been one to turn down a challenge, you know? <laughs> I, I you know, I, I am fascinated by the. I'm fascinated by sort of the scripting of of the comic world, right? The way it works, because it, it, it's like a script. It's different than anything I'm used to. Um, so I'm definitely interested. I, I, you know, I'm a little nervous because I don't, I don't. You know, it's different. But yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, it's a new thing. I'm, but I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to, to, to take a stab at it. Um, I also am willing to fail, and yeah. um, I understand that not everybody is good at everything, you know. But I, you know, but I'm, I'm definitely willing to give it a shot. Nice, nice. You're doing okay so far. Um, <laughs> I failed a lot though before I got here. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the book's been a big success. It's on the New York Times bestseller list. It's really uh, gotten out there, positive response. What's it been like? Um, I know it's not obviously your first successful book, but to see this book do so well, what's that like? You know, it, it's it's sweet, man. It's sweet. It's a different kind of sweetness to this one, only because I had completely honest with you. I had I didn't have any expectations. I I knew that what I was doing, like I was the way I was thinking about this whole thing was fifteen, twenty years from now, I'll be able to tell my kids that Daddy wrote Spider Man. Right. And that's all. And that's really for me all it was. It was like there's no way that you could pass up on an opportunity to have a hand. And this incredible legacy, um, whether whether for a moment or for a little more than a moment, um, there's no way you can say no. You have I have a 16 year old little brother who, you know, loves Spider Man. I have a 42 year old older brother who loves Spider Man. I almost felt like I had to, as a middle child, like I had to do it <laughs> for my for my family, for my siblings, you know. Um, but that was it. So the fact that it is successful 
is um is really amazing and the things that people have said you know i of all these these moms who have come to me or have sent me letters and emails who say you know my kid looked my kids read the book and 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 then he looked at me crazy when I asked him who he wanted to be for Spider-Man. I mean, for for Halloween because he, I was supposed to already know huh. that he wanted to be Miles Morales. Yeah. Right. And and or, or the fact that there are teachers who are teaching Spider-Man in their classrooms this year. They're going to be teachers using so cool. Spider-Man so cool. as curriculum in the classroom to discuss literature as well as sort of some of the things that are going on today's time is really really powerful and, and i mean but despite the new york times that's how this is i mean what, what, what's better than that yeah of course all right last question jason um do you feel after having lived with miles morales for as long as you did having told this story is there more you'd like to explore with him do you have uh, a, another story or two in you i mean you know <laughs> <laughs> it's such a, it's a leading question. Yeah, you know? of course, right? <laughs> got to throw that in there. You got to throw it in. You know what? Look, here, here's the truth. The truth of the matter is that I am, uh, I am, I am, I'm up for the conversation for sure. I, you know what? I, I told myself in the beginning, I wasn't sure if I could do it more than once. I wasn't sure if I would want to do it more than once. But the truth is, um, the truth is, is that I, I think that it's a, uh, there's a lot to explore. It's a powerful thing, uh, more than I ever could have imagined. And honestly, my experience in writing it was tough, but it was different in a way that um, energized me. I mean, it was a break from my from my norm, uh, and it energized me. And so I think that if if it came my way, if somebody, if, if Marvel or Disney came back and said, "Look, we want," is there anything else? Can we can we can we explore a little more? Uh, I'm I'm 99% sure that I'd, I'd say yes for sure. Nice. That's what we like to hear, <laughs> man. Well, Jason, thank you so much for joining me, man. If people want to find out more about you, if they want to follow you online, is there anywhere uh, they can check out on the internet? Yeah, man. I'm I'm, I'm at Jason Reynolds 83 on everything. Huh. And my website's out right now, but it'll be back up soon. It's uh, jasonwritesbooks.com. And that'll be back up in the next month. But um, at Jason Reynolds 83 on all the things, you know, holla at me. Ben, I appreciate you, brother. No, thanks for taking the time, Jason. Really appreciate it. And everyone, get out there and check out the Miles Morales prose novel by Jason Reynolds. It's good stuff. This is Marvel, your universe.